0: Instead of the crackling fire, we are in the bustling now town of Quartzsite, Arizona. As the RVs come in, we're down here at the famous Coyote Market, <laughs> which I love, just had one of their burritos, fabulous. Anyway, they say people don't change, but new research says that they may have changed a lot in like the last two, almost three short years due to the tribulations of the pandemic like aging 10 years two, and not for the better people appear to be more brittle less social less uh, empathetic and so on unless you've been on the road as a nomad for the last two or so years we'll talk about it in podcast 1076 the Bob Davis podcasts mental health mental well-being it's a tough time which is why juliet from bu enterprises is doing what she do what does she do she uh, is able through the wonders of modern communication and the internet to do zoom conferences and other kinds of communication software uh facetime whatever uh conferences with you your family the people you work with or friends to help you stretch to help you breathe, to help you get back in your own body and have a moment. 15 minutes, half an hour. She's got a full-on toolbox of different things that she can do to help. I've done sessions with her. They're great. They really make a huge difference in terms of well-being, especially at this time of year and especially in this time of time. So if you want to know more, click on the banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com or, or visit buenterprises.com. According to psychologists through a study, but I just want people to know it's through a study, I'll tell you about it in a second, but according to psychologists, our personality traits are generally stable most of our adult lives. We change the most, I think everybody understands, during young adulthood, or when very stressful events occur. So according to a study recently published in something called PLOS, PLOS. I don't know whether you say it as a word or it's got initials or what it means, but that's the place where the study is. It is rare for psychologists to see population-wide personality shifts even after stressful events and certainly researchers discovered changes in personality early in the pandemic and they thought well that makes perfect sense it's a stressful event but they were surprised later like two three years later almost three years later to see significant changes a big pattern change among zero to 24 adults and i I will address the older adults in a second they saw a deep decline in traits that help us navigate Uh, things like social situations which is a big one trusting others thinking creatively acting responsibly again especially with young adults and young people social upheaval open hostility anger and chafing at restrictions all help to erode the collective goodwill and of course that all might have been very bad for the personality responses in this study came from the understanding America study at the University of Southern California and they looked at several areas neuroticism or stress extraversion or connecting with others openness creative thinking agreeableness trust and conscientiousness organization discipline all those things and being responsible these traits don't change much usually or radically during a lifetime. A lot of that is set early in life, and, and I'm saying early in adulthood, and then once it's set, generally speaking, you might see changes in somebody over 60 years, or 50 years, or 40 years. But that personality is pretty much going to be consistent once you get through your 20s. In short, short-term shocks lead to long-term changes, quote-unquote, above the norm. Long-term shocks, long-term stress well, that's an interesting question. These data seem to concentrate on younger people, but I think ultimately we're going to also find that uh, it has also hit people hard, too, in the older demographics. And I would offer as an example, uh, I mean, do you have any middle-aged friends that you may not have seen for a while who seem suddenly to have aged a lot and not for the better? or family members who seem distracted or even unhinged, different from quote unquote back in the day. So in other words, people you know well who have apparently had significant changes in their personality recently. A while back after my mom died, my sister and I were cleaning and organizing uh, my mom's house in order to sell it. And we were in the process of interviewing realtors My sister was telling uh, one of these candidates about my nomad life. And I said, because she'd said this a couple of hours before, she thinks my life is pitiful. What do you think? I said this to the real estate candidate. Now, remember, it was early 2021. And he said, I think right now, it's the smartest thing you could do. Needless to say, he didn't get the job. (laughs) But it got me thinking what if hitting the road in 2020 for me allowed an escape from these very negative changes in the last two and a half years we're going to talk about that in the second half of this podcast well i've been checking out the 36 lynn uh instagram feed and you know 36 lynn the independently owned and operated refueling station in south minneapolis 36th street south and Lindale avenue in lynn lake They just went to a big convention of convenience store people, and they really had a good time. The thing about 36 Lynn is, it's really about the convenience store. It's about the store. They have locally sourced products. They're proud of it. They're getting well known for it. Great coffee, great candy, great deal on fuel. So the next time you need a fill up, you need a cup of coffee, visit 36 Lynn. Again, 36th Street and uh, Lindale Avenue South so South 36th Street, South Lindale Avenue in the Lynn Lake neighborhood in Uptown. Basically, it's Lynn Lake, but I think of it as Uptown anyway. Uh, been going through there for many years. Check them out and get a feel up, get some candy, get some coffee and say hello. 36 Lynn. Check them out online at 36linn.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at the thebobdavispodcast.com. So let's talk nomad. Why does a person give up so much to hit the road forever? Now, I'm not sure I have an answer for that. I'm kind of trying to find an answer for that as I do this, but I've noticed that while some back home are more sensitive, more brittle, less social, more emotionally stubborn, certainly more politically stubborn, and more emotionally unpredictable, I could say that life on the road teaches us to be more social, have more empathy, become less emotional, and more predictable in general. And yes, there are truly crazy people out here that you have to watch out for in situations. My sister thought that the entire country was full of crazy people, and if I went on the, I'm really worried about him. And we've all heard that as nomads, but my experience has been that this experience, this nomad experience, seems to spur more empathy, cooperation, and calm reflection among people. Back home, I'll tell you, I wasn't super helpful. I wasn't necessarily, well, I was judgmental. And to a point, I was really brittle and unhappy and frustrated and in pain. And I was trying to change that. I was trying to figure out why I was basically in this position. And this is really before the lockdowns, the masks, and all the things got going. And if you've been listening to the Bob Davis podcast, you know, especially if you go back to that period of time, you know that. It had a lot to do with with politics. I certainly chafed and worried about things too, a lot. Then there were the excruciating Zoom calls, masks, and so on. But when I began this odyssey, these feelings began to slip away. And it was, let me tell you, it, it didn't happen all at once. This has been a process. It's still a process. But I can say from experience that the only angst I suffered were my forays back into the world and now i just try not to do that anymore this is the reality when it comes to visiting friends or and again to my best friends no but with people that i kind of know or don't know or that are acquaintances that say you should come and see us because you're on the road it tends to be well i use the word excruciating but it just tends to be a lot more work than it's worth let's just put it that way and there's nothing wrong with spending time with people but it's it's very hard to get go back into cities it's very hard to go back into the quote unquote old life and so i try not to do it anymore the open and often empty road especially back roads campfires of course everybody knows i love campfires staring at the milky way and the stars Contemplating these philosophical questions like the need for drop tanks or compost toilets and uh, uh, sumptuous meals in the Dutch oven around the fire with the conviviality of other nomads or the cast iron skillet, the mountains, majestic beaches, forests, plains and deserts. You know, the experiences I've had like A1A, the Pacific Coast Highway, and I mean A1A in Florida, the Pacific Coast Highway over on the West Coast. West Texas was amazing. The San Juans in Colorado and the magnificent Grand Canyon. I mean, I've got a list as long as you're arm of these experiences that you, you really can't, it's very hard to write about them or use words that would equal the majesty of those experiences upstate New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, the main forests, the coastline, and I'll talk more about this stuff when I do the the year-end second-year travel podcast on Halloween. Oregon's Coast, the Yakima Valley, and a hundred other places that literally take your breath away, even if you just pulled over onto the side of the road. That is not one of those overlooks. And for me, the solitude allows me time to process what is going on in my life, which is what we all need. And then, of course, when I want camaraderie, there's tons of it among nomads, especially at court site. You come to the Coyote or the Roadrunner. You go to the gas station. You see people you haven't seen in a year or that you saw last week. Hey, what's up? You know, or you go to the Walmart in Parker and you run into people. And I have to say it has made me empathetic where before I didn't care. You know, learn to appreciate others for who they are, even with my judgments and to actually be aware of these harsh judgments that I often have, and they don't go away. I mean, that's part of the character of a person. I, For some reason, I've got, maybe it's the training in, in radio or lots of other things. Maybe I'm just hard, but I'm aware of those judgments. I don't connect them to action anymore. The other thing is, on the road, I never wore a mask. In fact, It reached the point where if I had to put one on because I was on an Indian reservation or I was in some store that required it, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's, you know, I'm not going to wear a mask. It's against my rights and all that stuff. I mean, they don't work. That's basically the problem with masks. And that was my issue. But I had to actually go looking for a mask in the truck. And I had a box of them. Uh, That's how often I wore a mask. So I won't say that I felt restricted or couldn't get a can of black olives or a steak at any point uh, in my travels in the last two years. And I'll tell you, I learned better how to love and how to receive love. I learned to help and really what's important is I learned to be helped, to allow someone to help me. This all has a price. And the price is you have to be ruthless in terms of letting go, which is really what this is all about. And it's not easy. I would say it's definitely not easy back in the world. When I go back and visit, I find people again, disconnected, looking around, unable to hold a conversation. And the reason that we can hold a conversation when we're sitting around the campfire, this is what you learn. When somebody's talking, you don't talk you listen and then you might not say anything or you might say something and then someone else says something and then someone else says something there's a process of give and take among us because we have to deal with each other and and when it comes to networking we are networking with each other so there's a a level of appreciation so there's a level of respect and uh, and consideration that is implicit in this nomad relationship it doesn't always hold but for the most part i mean there's people that have been difficult and we always kind of find it humorous when somebody who is kind of a newbie comes in and that was me and the words come in torrents and you're telling and what you'll find in and this was my experience initially they just listen because they know you know, if, if you've been doing this for a while and you're sitting around the campfire and people, somebody who comes up that's new, you can tell right away that they're new because the words come in a torrent. And then after a while, you realize that there's nothing to say. And, and the, the the solitude we all have, some of us don't enjoy it as much as others, allows us time to process it. Saw a guy at the dump today. And this guy has been in my campground and I, or I should say, I've been in his camp, campground. I don't know who got there first for, you know, a couple of weeks now. And he came up right away and said, Hey, you know, my name's, uh, I think his name is Ken. My name's Ken. And we're, you know, this is where I am. And this is what I do. And, you know, you, you say, Oh, Hey, hello. And, and there are people that you would never introduce yourself to in the sense that in the, in the normal world, you probably would not have anything to do with somebody like this, not because you didn't want to, but because you're paths would never cross. And I haven't seen him in a while. And I saw him at the dump today and he was like, "Hey, you know, you got a great rig. You're getting a tan. Life is good." And I was like, "Absolutely, life is good." And we and he said to me at some point in our conversation, he was like, "You know, I don't I don't really need to. If you get bit by a snake, I'll take you to the hospital, but don't come over for milk and sugar." Which I thought was great because We value our solitude. Some are more social and they have, you know, they camp together and they're social with their people that they're camping with. Others of us are, uh, you know, have more solitude. I use my solitude to really, to process what's going on and to think. It takes me, I've learned, maybe it's a lifetime of having to make snap decisions, but I've learned that when I take my time, I make pretty good decisions, and they are long-lasting decisions. In other words, they have long-lasting results that are usually positive, but I don't make snap decisions anymore. So those are pretty big changes for somebody that was very judgmental, that was vocal about his judgments, didn't really care about other people, to be quite honest with you. And now, you know, if, if you pass somebody's rig and they haven't been out for a couple of days, you're going to stop and see what's going on. If somebody needs help, you're going to help. If, if you need help, you're going to ask for help. Those are really positive developments. They're socially positive developments because we have a community. We have, you know, we have solitude, yet we have a community. And we look out for each other and we look out for the campgrounds and we look out for, what you know, other people that are doing this. There's certainly social strata and delineations of uh, of groups, people who have money versus people who are in their cars or people who have more resources than others. But in general, it is a community. And uh, I believe that it's one of the reasons that I have not and, and do not suffer from the angst that I see And they, you know, people back in the world, this is, and if you're back in the world, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, you know, again, I'm trying to avoid the harsh judgments. But my experience has been that people are very on edge. And I understand why. I get it. I see why. But, see, this is the whole point of going on the road, and this is the whole point of the realtor saying, well, I think it's the smartest thing you could do right now. Why? No rent. No electric. Yeah, you have to pay for fuel, but if you're not traveling and if you're just camping... And you're not moving around too much well then you're not filling your tank and so you're saving an enormous amount of money is it a hard life you know i mean i've answered that question a hundred times in in different podcasts you know there are it, it, it can be hard i mean it can be difficult there's difficult days there's days that are frustrating but there isn't a day that was frustrating where i didn't have time to spend with somebody else who was out here see what i'm saying so all of these factors that these psychologists have uncovered and they say it's zero to 24 because those are the people they survey but i think it's worse with older people because these things that are happening engender fear they engender jealousy they create a sense of territory because nobody everybody feels like they can do something about something but there's so many things that you can't do anything about and so it produces these uh, brittle, emotional reactions to things. And really, my experience has been just an, just unpredictable, like, what? what? What's going on with this person? Especially people that you've known for a while or people in your family who suddenly take a left turn or a right turn, and you're just like, what? what's going on here? And it's weird because now this study comes out, and they are now beginning to document the fact that these events of the last two and a half years have been extraordinarily stressful to Americans. And I think the current events are extraordinarily stressful to people. But what can you do about it? What matters is your family and your community and the people you know and getting to the point where you have the solitude, you have the time to process and you have the ability to, you know... uh, to be able to get some distance from things and these are all things that are just um, you know standards with uh, people that are on the road I think it has a lot to do with uh, letting go I think we hold on to things very tightly back in uh, in in the world and I'm gonna say something somewhat controversial because I know some people love their life and that's okay but I think city life is becoming increasingly stressful. It shouldn't be, but I think it's stressful because of the things that went on and the things that are going on. I also think it's stressful because of these, and I feel that they are manufactured. I know that that people feel strongly about things these days, but I think the political differences, I think the differences, let's just say this, I think the differences between people, for whatever reason, And politics plays a big role in that. And that's all I'll say about politics, because I don't care what your politics is. These things are heavily um, emphasized to the point where the differences are heavily emphasized. I would say the difference here is, you know, people wear their flags out here, whatever their flags are, generally speaking. And there are, there are social and political differences. But we have to overlook those social and political differences because if you get mad at a guy, you could be over there asking for a jump next. You know, the next day. If you, if you act like a jerk, you could find yourself literally being asked uh, ask somebody to take you to the hospital because you got bit by a snake or because you fell. You know, and you, and you, and you uh, fell and hurt yourself or something happened and, and now you have to go to this person that you, you were a jerk to and ask for help. So you, you, you tend to de-emphasize the differences and look at the commonalities in nomad life as a matter of necessity. And again, I get back to this networking thing that one of the things I learned in networking, business networking, Is, And I didn't come easily to it either, and I still don't come easily to it, uh, is to de-emphasize the differences and reach out and help people. Reach out to meet people that you don't feel comfortable meeting, let's say, or you don't think that they want to talk to you. I'm talking about networking. And then actually trying to figure out how you can help them in their business. That are those are not those are not the that is not my love language. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. The difference with networking in nomads is we all have the common thing. We have we all have rig envy. We all stand when somebody comes in and go, What the hell is this guy doing? You know, why isn't why did why do they not stop at the front and look at the map or why don't they do this or why don't they do that? We all do that as a joke. We kinda do that. We have differences and commonalities, but we tend to emphasize the commonalities as opposed to the differences. Because if you emphasize the differences out here, well, you're not going to have a very good time because you won't be talking to anybody. And if you need help or you need wood or you need a light or you need whatever, uh, they're not going to be available. Or let's say their dog's not on a leash and your dog is, and you need to go over there and talk to him about it. You know you don't want to send the camp post over there if you can work it out so hey man how come your dog's not on a leash well you know yada 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 well you know this one here he doesn't like dogs so maybe you ought to think about putting them on a leash you can have those conversations without them turning into full-blown you know craziness now they do turn into craziness occasionally but my experience has been that All of those measurements that I talked about in the beginning of the podcast that they did for the psychological study, the question of responsibility, the question of openness slash creativity, the question of um, social aptitudes, uh, the question of stress levels, the question of uh, being able to feel or be in a sense, in in a community and have a sense of community, Those things are the things that have deteriorated just significantly, and those are the things that determine to a large degree, you know, non, let's just say non-pathological mental health. And they may explain why the occasional family member, I've heard people say, yeah, I went back to see my, you know, brother-in-law, or I went back to see my brother in, you know, Winston-Salem, and uh, he's, something's wrong with him. I've heard that. If I've heard it once, I've heard it way more than once. The the story from somebody that yeah, you know, I I, I don't understand what's wrong with my my dad or I don't he's gone down this rabbit hole of um, this or that on the internet or my sister this or my brother is acting strange and nobody knows why. And this is what I'm talking about. And what I feel that this study shows. And I think you're going to see more studies that show this. That these these kinds of social skills, these skills of community that that are important to mental health, they're also important to community health and city health and neighborhood health and state health and national health have deteriorated rapidly. And yes, there were mistakes made in how the pandemic was dealt with. There continue to be mistakes made economically and on any other number of, of subjects because that is the nature of you know how things work people think that a is going to happen and they get it and then a does not happen or because it can't happen or somebody makes a terrible mistake and they don't know it at the time or they do know it at the time and it's a question of this or that and the the deleterious effects of those decisions fall upon individuals and then they bear it to a degree but after a while when you just keep lobbing stuff onto people they can't bear it anymore and the stress levels go off the chart and then you start to see these character changes i wasn't alive during the depression so i don't know how many people changed significantly during that period of time but that was a a, you know a, a very difficult time and i think we are living through a similarly extraordinarily difficult time uh, today. And I think it's causing personality changes. I feel like because I went out on the road, I avoided 95% of the BS that everybody else had to just sit there and take. I didn't have to wear a mask to go to work. I didn't have to wear a mask in my car. I didn't have to worry about Uh, whether or not there was going to be beets on the shelf at the target or whether uh, there were going to be black olives or whether there was going to be cheese i never in the entire time that i was traveling i never even encountered that you know i was looking at some of my notes from the first year of travel and i was shocked to read that once i got to alabama and mississippi and this was during the height of the pandemic they, they weren't wearing They didn't care. They weren't, they weren't wearing masks. Nobody was. I didn't get COVID, you know, because why? Because I was in a sealed environment almost the whole time by myself. And I also think the degree of solitude that I have had the pleasure of experiencing allowed me, and I don't mean to belabor this, but I think this is really important, allowed me to process a lot of stress. And to sort of begin this process of letting go, which I do not do easily. And when I say letting go, I don't mean giving up. I mean letting go uh, and kind of, God, I even hate saying it, going with the flow, where you accept things as they come. Because you have to. You're not going to find the campsite you want you're not going to find those people that you said you were going to meet at such and such place you're not going to get there today you know and if you try to bad things are going to happen you're going to get flat tires you're going to you're going to hit a deer you're going to be driving late and be tired you're going to get tickets because you're going to be pushing there's a million things that can happen when you refuse to go with the flow when you go with the flow well, then, you know, it's okay. And if you go 30 miles in one day, well, then you go 30 miles or 300 or 3,000. So we don't, have to, we don't have to push. And I, personally, I don't think anybody has to, even back in the world. But there are situations. There's jobs. There's goals. There's things that have to be done. Organizations operate in a certain way. People have to punch into that. Harder to go with the flow in that kind of an environment versus behind the wheel when you're in charge you're the captain of your little ship you're going down the road and you can get there tonight or you can get there tomorrow and you can stop and eat when you want you can make coffee you know some of the most fun times i've had just by myself are those moments when i pull off the road at some amazing little place in the san juan mountains in colorado or off the pch uh you know in uh south of san francisco or something and make myself a cup of phenomenal you know, drip coffee with hot water from the jet boil and sit there with my door open and look out over the Pacific Ocean and go, how did I get here? Like I wouldn't be able to do this. And so that constant travel and that constant visual of these incredible things that you just, it's so much data when you stand and look out over the Great Basin, let's say, or over the Grand Canyon or along the Colorado River, you just can't think, you stop thinking. You can't think because there's this incredible vista in front of you and it's it's visual data it's just jamming your brain up with data so you can't think about the nonsense and suddenly one day you're driving along and you're going god i haven't thought about that in ages or i haven't been upset about something for three days you don't have that back in the world so that's why i'm saying that i think nomads have better mental health and a better life in general despite how difficult it is despite being dirty, or despite not being able to take a shower today, or despite losing that thing, or, you know, despite messing around with the batteries, or anything else that you have a problem with, you know, your drunk tags don't work, or, you know, whatever your situation is, and, and you, you begin to start working to solve those problems, those are things that take away from the, again, that's responsibility, you know. Creative solutions, that's openness. You know, meeting other people, that's, that's social skills. That's building a community. Those are the things I'm talking about. Do they happen back in the world? Yes, but they don't happen enough. That's what i So I So I would sum it all up by saying this. I was frustrated. I was angry. And I was in pain back in the world. And now I am free. Thanks again. I got a shout-out, Jeffrey Dunn, who sent me an email and said, Hey, thanks for the mention. You finally got it right. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to make a donation to the Bob Davis Podcast, just click on the big yellow Donate button underneath the picture of Mobile Podcast Command. It'll take you to PayPal. You can set up a monthly thing, or you can just give me whatever you want. $5, $10, $800 million. <laughs> you know, whatever. It would be great. If not, uh, and you don't want to spend money, that's fine. Just subscribe to the Bob Davis Podcasts on iTunes. We're also on Spotify and Google Podcasts and a bunch of other places because I see them on my analytics. I just don't mention them because, why? You've already found the podcast, but there you go. And thanks for listening to the Bob Davis Podcasts look out for the well it'll be i'm going to do it on either halloween or october 30th the two-year anniversary so it reviews a little bit of the second year of nomad travel uh full-time after throwing everything away that i own and moving into this crazy vehicle and coming out on the road so live from Quartzsite. thanks for listening to podcast 1076, bob dovis podcasts <sighs> <sighs>